Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. The solar panels work in winter. Solar energy output in Australia throughout winter is surprisingly high in some cities. You can learn more about better solar energy at B-Solar. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to the First Serve on this uh, Tuesday night. Yes, move to a Tuesday this week with all the live sport we had uh, yesterday for Anzac Day, the 26th of April. Your call's always welcome uh, right throughout the hour. Every week as we talk the world of tennis, one 736 736 You can jump on the text, thanks to our good friends at Tennis Direct Australia. It's a favourite online tennis store. They've got fast delivery, great prices. Free delivery on orders over $150. You can go shopping while you listen to us tonight. Tennisdirect.com.au. Get that nice little discount. First serve one zero is the code you need to punch in. So jump on the text if you prefer that tonight, 0433981116. On the B-Solar menu, we're going to wrap up the latest on tour. Alcaraz, Sviontek. I'm almost dribbling. It's just unbelievable what these two are producing. And in the studio tonight, two coaches, extraordinaires. Great to reacquaint with Sarah Stone and Betty, Betty Sekolowski. They'll join me very, very soon to pull apart what they're doing in the world of tennis and around some tennis issues. But I reckon we get into the winners of the last week, and we're going to start with the Spanish young gun. Carlos Alcaraz is the 2022 Barcelona Open Bank Sabadell champion. The Spaniard wins his third title of the season and his first in front of his home fans. And he does so on the court named after the man he grew up idolising. It was such a tough week with the rain and the disruptions, but Alcaraz took it all in his stride. Big high five with Juan Carlos Ferrero. He wins this title 21 years on from when Juan Carlos did so back in 2001. Carlos, some of the biggest names in Spanish tennis have won this tournament before. Manolo Santana, Rafael Nadal, your coach Juan Carlos Ferrero 21 years ago. And now you're on this list. What does it mean to be part of the well? It, history? It, it means a, a lot. I mean, I, I've watched the, this tournament since I uh, since I, I was a kid. I mean, I always wished uh, to play in this tournament and, of course, uh, be able to win the, this tournament. So uh, I'm really, really happy to be part of of the Spanish uh, history list. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that before the match. You listened to the soundtrack of the Rocky movie. <laughs> yes, I try to, to listen to that, that song in the, every match. I mean, before before every match, I, I try to listen to that, that song. Motivating me. 
Is that that fighting spirit that you think set you apart this week from the rest of the field? Yes, of course. I mean, when I listen to the music, I remember the, the movie and it's it's amazing the, the spirit fight that the Rocky has and everything I trying to have that spirit in, the, in every match, so that's what motivates me. Andrei Rublev is the Serbia Open champion. His third title of the year, as for the first time, he is able to get the better of Novak Djokovic. Great sportsmanship to see from Djokovic, who will take away a lot of positives from this week, particularly in front of his home fans. But it is Rublev who is able to come out on top of what was a fine battle. First of all, I want to talk to Nole. And to be honest, I don't know what to say when you're one of the greatest players in history. Because I cannot say bad luck to you today. I wish to have bad luck today, but to be one of the greatest like you. Yeah, it's, it's a big honor to play against you, to share the court for the second time. So hopefully I see you for, still for many years. And uh, yeah, we will have more battles. It's a fourth successive title for Iga Sviontek, who wins on her debut here in Stuttgart. Last couple of days have been tough, especially after yesterday's match. So thank you, Matek, for keeping me alive. Because, uh, yeah, it wasn't easy. And thank you to my dad, who finally decided that he, he's going to come with me on tournament. And that will do it. Anastasia Potapova wins her first ever title on the Holodzic WTA Tour. She made waves on tour as a 17-year-old, reaching a couple of finals. Then she had a couple of tough years with surgery. Now she's a winner. Well, let's break down all those uh, winners thanks to AATC, Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches, providing quality coach education right across the globe. Courses delivered by industry leaders in tennis, business owners. You can learn locally, coach globally, internationally endorsed, inquire and enrol at aatc.tennis. Carlos Alcaraz. God, I'm almost speechless. What this guy is doing is absolutely phenomenal. 18 years of age, inside the top 10 for the first time. The last man who did that at the same age was his idol, Rafael Nadal, 17 years ago when he, when he won his first Barcelona Open. So he's nine in the world. And if he didn't quite catch up the last couple of days, all the rain they had in Barcelona over the last week meant that he had to play semi-final and the final on the same day. And if there was one young man who was going to have more energy out of the four players that remained, it was going to be Carlos Alcaraz. But I want to go back to the semi-final for a moment because it featured our very own Alex Dimonor. And this was going on while Richmond were playing Melbourne in the Anzac Eve game. I had all these people text me at halftime, what do you think of the footy? I said, the footy? Get across to be in sports and watch Carlos and Alex. This is unbelievable. Three hours and 39 minutes. Alex Dimonor gave his absolute all. He was, he was playing inspired tennis, Alex. Hitting flat, hitting through the court, stretching uh, Carlos to the corners. But this young man's a beast. I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, he's physically imposing. He's got enormous self-belief. Great coaching team around him with Juan Carlos Ferrero and co. And he just plays point by point. And whatever situation he's in, he just believes he can win. Alex Dimonor stuck fat. He, had, he served for the match twice in the second set. He had two match points. And he just couldn't quite get over the line. But I'm more in the belief now than ever 
that a window might open up for Alex Dimonor. It might only be one window in his career in the tough world of men's professional tennis to maybe make one Grand Slam final. Because outside of the big three and their dominance, you feel like this next group is going to share the spoils over the next 10 to 15 years. It might be two or three that totally stand out. That's the depth of talent. But Demonor gave his all. He's 24 in the world. He's 16 and 8 this season. I was at Indian Wells when he went down to Fritz in a really tight three set, a very similar where he had Taylor Fritz on the ropes and just couldn't quite put him away. So that's the challenge for Alex. You are what you are physically. He won't die wondering. He's out to improve himself all the time. You can see he's trying to beef up the serve. There's definitely a lot more power there. He takes the ball early, directs. I mean, he, he, he's a nightmare to play. And Carlos Elcaraz plays the drop shot just about better than anyone else in tennis right now. But you're employing that against Demonor, and you've got to get that spot on because Demonor's anticipation, his wheels get to so many balls. So Carlos Elcaraz, hats off. Uh, a quote from uh, Carlos, I've always been a normal guy. I'm not scared of fame, and I'm not going to change the person I am. I mean, we love his tennis on court, but I love this guy off court. The way he embraces just being a person in the spotlight. His interaction with the crowd is outstanding. He's uh, media savvy at 18. Boy, oh boy, can we adopt him? Can we bring him to Australia and put AUS in brackets next to him? He was absolutely superb. Andre Rublev did get the better of Djokovic. In Novak's own words, he ran out of gas. You could see it. He is short of a gallop. He played some big matches in Belgrade this week, but it's been few and far between for a guy that is such a great athlete playing continuous tennis. So I think it's a fascinating watch Djokovic uh, right now just to see where he's going to land and how many tournaments he's going to play. Let's see what the world's going to look like in the next six months. But uh, Rublev had a disappointing Indian Wells, Miami. So uh, third title for the year, 6-2, 6-7, 6-love. Uh, just that relentless power and intensity for Rublev. There's not much subtlety in the Andre Rublev game. So well done to him. Chris O'Connell, we need to mention uh, Chris. He won the Challenger in Croatia, the Aussie, on the weekend. Watch that final. Back up to 128. So he's up 19 spots. He's been as high as 111. I think we all believe he's got the capacity to get into double figures in the rankings. But it's tough. I mean, so many players can just get stuck in that sort of 100 to 150 area and fluctuate. So, anyway, he'll back up again this week. He's in Rome. If he can put a couple of challenges together or go deep, then suddenly the points continue to build. But well done. He had a really good week uh, winning the uh, split open over in uh, Croatia. Uh, all the other uh, challenger winners, you can actually follow that on our website, thefirstserve.com.au. There were some really good stories. I do want to mention a couple of young Aussies on the ITF tour. One not so young, but uh, Talia Gibson, who I hadn't seen really a lot play. Uh, 17-year-old from WA, uh, really good reps on her. She uh, did a great job to qualify and make her first ITF final. Now, she came up against a player I didn't think was still playing. And uh, going back years ago, Luxika Kumkum, just one of the great names of uh, tennis. I actually thought she was a lot older, and she's only 28. I felt like she was in her 30s. So has been as high as 66. That was back in 2018. So Talia got blown away in the final there. But what great experience. She won the doubles. She'll back up in Thailand again uh, this week. And Omar Jaseka, I think, is a fascinating watch uh, right now. You know, we had Omar on the program a couple of uh, a couple of years ago. Won the 2014 US Open boys singles and doubles. He's gone through all the stuff off uh, court, banned for a couple of years, trying to work his way back. COVID gets in the way, stalls the comeback. 
and he's got to start from scratch, playing the 15Ks, doing the hard yards, and uh, nice and warm over in Thailand this week, and he got over Dane Kelly. He's 25-5 and five this year. He's been as high as 239. That's going back a few years ago now. So he's in the 500s. He's just got to keep knuckling down, and hopefully the desire is there to get back because there's no doubt he can play. And I think the attitude seems pretty sound right now. Uh, he seems to be in a good place, and we love watching the lefties play. Uh, they've always got something pretty dynamic about them. So well done to Omar. We'll follow his progress uh, quite uh, closely. So that is some of the on-court on news going on. Igish Fiontek on the women's side. I mean, look, certainly taking advantage of the fact that Ash Barty's retired, but she's earned the number one ranking. 23 straight wins, four titles. Born to entertain. She wants to entertain you. Uh, dynamic on court. I mean, she's the, probably you know, she's the, one of the most watchable tennis players going around. She just makes things happen. Busy, taking the ball early, speaks quick, plays quick. She's got a lot going for her. She's really engaging. Uh, Set in, watched her press conference at Indian Wells, and she was uh, uh, a real credit to herself. And, and Sabalink is having a tough year, isn't it? I mean, she served six double faults in that final, and. You can see the frustration for Arena. It's just not quite working, but she's staying inside the top 10 and she's just got to just got to keep the faith and keep working at her game. So that's a work in progress. She's had a little window to maybe make a Grand Slam final, maybe even win one. Uh, that window's gone for the moment, but it could come back. So that's a fascinating watch. And Paula Badosa is interesting. I mean, that's just um, risen really quickly. I mean, you look at the rankings, you go, Paula Badosa, two in the world. I mean, going back a year ago, she was 70 in the world. So, uh, extraordinary story. And the other interesting watch is Emma Raducanu at the moment, who Sviontek beat uh, in Stuttgart this week. I mean, she's holding her ground at the moment in the rankings. And I think the expectations for everyone that knows a bit about tennis has been sort of pulled back a bit. Okay, he won the US Open. That's great. That was an extraordinary story. It'll probably never, ever be replicated in the history of tennis again to come from 150 and qualities to win a, a Grand Slam. So much focus on her, uh, but she's just going about her business now quietly, working on her game. She's 11 in the world, so it's a nice place to be for uh, Emma Raducanu, no doubt. And uh, Potapova, who really hit the ground running as a 17-year-old, got up to, I think, about 70 in the rankings, had a couple of surgeries. She was off the tour for a bit. Uh, she's back up into the 70s. That was a good win in uh, Istanbul uh, over the weekend, so she's also uh, finding her way back. So they're all the winners. There's plenty of them. And the tour will continue this week. Estoril uh, for the 250. So Jordan Thompson plays tonight. Alexi Popperin went out in qualities. It's a fascinating watch, Alexi. We've been mentioning him on the program. He's 4-13 and 13 this year. So he he's struggling. He's outside the top 100. It's a long journey, though. I mean, he's done amazing things for a young man to get inside the top 100. So we continue to watch that with interest. Max Purcell went out in qualities as well. So Max, who... Didn't get uh, direct entry into the Australian Open. Bit of hoo-ha about all that. Um, no doubt he believes, Nathan Healy believes, that he can be inside the top 100. He's 10 and 12, so he's thereabouts. He's lost some really close matches in qualifying uh, throughout uh, this year. And, and he and Matty Ebden went out in the dubs after a really good run uh, over the last couple of weeks. John Millman will play in Munich. Uh, that's coming up uh, tonight. John Pierce, Philip Palaszczuk will play in the doubles. Watched a bit of Bernard Tomic uh, today, first round, uh, playing over in Mexico. The windiest conditions I reckon I've seen for a tennis match. So Bernie went to three. It was just interesting to watch the work ethic, the engagement. To his credit, I think it was certainly there. It's a tough road back, isn't it? 
it's a really tough road back into the 300s. You're playing these challenges where, you know, for some of them, the, the crowds aren't big. You've got to generate some energy and excitement. And look, all we can hope is that um, he can knuckle down and just uh, make the best of what is remaining of his career. Rinky Hinjikata will play uh, tomorrow morning. Who else have we got? Alexander Vukic back on the tour this week. So it's a bit like O'Connell. They're on the cusp, but sometimes you can be far away as well. So uh, Alexander Vukic, fourth seed, uh, playing in Ostrava in the Czech Republic this week. Chris O'Connell's going to back up in Rome, as I mentioned. And uh, Jason Kubler will play uh, Savannah, the challenger there, as the fourth seed. In fact, Stephen Huss uh, doing some coaching uh, with uh, Jason Kubler uh, this week. So that's what's happening on tour. We've got plenty more coming up after the break. Happy to take your calls, one 736 736 Plenty of content to take a look at in your own time at the first serve, apart from our Monday night show, Crunching the Numbers. Episode two for the month will be released this week with Stephen Huss and Chris Tonts. Aussies only. You can listen in to Jed Setzer and uh, Connor Joyce give their take on the Aussies and how they are tracking for 2022. Play USA about the collegiate journey for a big number of our Aussies and our specified uh, podcast offerings each month. Uh, there's more to come, including Rowan Williams, who's coaching uh, Luke Saville and J.P. Smith. He has caught up with uh, Brad Stein over the last uh, 10 days. Fascinating chat. We're going to play that in two parts. That'll be coming your way as well. You can subscribe to The First Serve via your preferred podcast platform or head to the podcast section at thefirstserve.com.au. All thanks to Hume Tennis and Community Centre. It's a mini Melbourne park in Melbourne's north, which is uh, tennis for everyone. Tim Connell and his team have got a great setup out there. Perfect also for coaches and players. If you're coming from interstate to train, and compete. It's close to Melbourne Airport. There's accommodation just around the corner. Find out more at humetennis.com.au. My studio guests, they're champion at the bit. Sarah and Betty coming up next. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With V Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a V Solar advisor. Visit v.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlife Group. Leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Great to have your company on a Tuesday night this week for the first serve. Talking at the world of tennis, one 736 736 Or you can shoot a text through 0433 Got to say, Brett, hard to get excited about tennis now. Ashes retire. Come on, Michael. Look, it is a big loss. There's no doubt about it. But let me tell you. There is that much good talent in tennis on the men's and the women's side. If we just took our Aussie hat off, I could sit there and watch Alcaraz 24 hours. 24 hours, seven days a week. I could watch Igor Fiontek play over and over again. So there's plenty there. There's plenty there. Just a quick one on uh, Boris Becker. We didn't get to mention it last week. Sentencing hearing coming up on Friday in London for Boris. So the charges against him carry a maximum sentence of seven years in prison. Found guilty of eliciting, uh, moving thousands of dollars from a bank account after he was declared bankrupt. It doesn't look great. It'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. But it really is a bit of a sad story for uh, the great uh, Boris Becker. We'll touch on the Wimbledon banning of the Russian and Belarusian players a little bit later on in the show. But great to have... Uh, two ladies who I last worked with at the Tennis Victoria uh, Premier League. It was back, uh, what, just before Christmas. Uh, they've both been on the program in different forms. Sarah Stone, Betty Sekolowski. Great to uh, have you both in the studio. Good to see you, Sarah. Good to see you too. Thanks for having us back. It's going to be a great night. Talking tennis with Boo all day, every day is quite exciting, but to get to talk with you about it as well, it's awesome. 
So, Sarah, still the CEO of the WTCA, which is uh, something you're very passionate about, the Women's Tennis Coaches Association, which is a great hub for uh, women's tennis, got a, an Australian uh, base, uh, an American base as well. And you're also both involved now with um, the Champion Academy of Tennis. You're the director of Tennis Betty. You're involved as well. And I want to, I want to sort of dissect a bit of that uh, tonight but if I just ask you generally just about the landscape of Australian tennis uh, right now, you're, you're in it every day. You're out on practice courts, you're hitting balls with players, you're talking to juniors, you're you know, just observing. Betty, you've been you know, inside uh, TA and you've yep. been outside. Just what do you think the state of tennis is here in Australia? Because it's a topic we discuss a lot, obviously, on our show. Yeah, thanks, Brett, and uh, thanks for having us. Uh, yeah, yeah, I had this question asked to me not very, um, not very long ago, actually, was you know, what is your difference now that you're out in the private market versus in TA? And uh, it's just, I, I feel like I'm able to connect with generally, okay, a lot more of the athletes. Um, obviously at TA, I was, I was working with, you know, a select few. Now I'm coaching a lot more. Um, and it's really interesting, you know, able to connect with these kids on the outside a little more just because we have them for, in our program, we have them for four or five hours of the day. Uh, so there's a lot going on in that day and there's a lot to get to know about them. And um, look, I think it's definitely no lie. They're not traveling a lot. Um, our Victorian kids have probably suffered a little bit over the last two years due to COVID. Um, it's shown in some capacity, I guess, uh, at tournaments and, and whatnot, but it's been fantastic to be able to be in a program at the moment where we can see them consistently every day and and hopefully have a, a larger impact on their development. Okay. So, so tell us about this private academy. Tell us the uh, the basis of setting it up and why you felt it was sort of needed. We set it up because nothing like that exists in Australia. I came from spending a long time in the US, probably around 11 years, ran a homeschool there before I came back. They're doing a great job at KDV. I think that's that's a great place for players to go and train. On and, the Gold Coast, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Bunty's doing an awesome job. They've got a great crew and come back to Australia, uh, sorry, into Melbourne, there's nothing else that's really a full-time option for kids. There was another program that doesn't run any longer that, that got some traction a few years ago and players actually really like that and they're looking for that one-stop shop where they know that their fitness is going to be taken care of and, and they're hitting and other players, people to work with. One of the most difficult things for parents is just trying to find practice partners for their kids. So the state of state of tennis in Australia at the moment is it's, it's a little bit disconnected. The kids haven't had the opportunity to compete. They're not really sure what the level's like mm. around the rest of the world or, yep. or where they rate. It's almost like a false sense of where we're at because we've been kind of stalled in our development here. So we're trying to now in, a, in an academy base just trying to get enough volume in these players when we started with them they they could not do very much of a load, like not even close to the amount of load that they should be doing compared to players their same age around the rest of the world. So we had to start pretty slowly and build the players up from there and and that's what we've gone about building. And Betty's done an excellent job of creating a, a high-performance environment, which I think is something that didn't exist very much in the private sector before okay. what we got started. So just, just help me out here. So we've got uh, TA who obviously have their uh, programs and um, you know, different things they run, the, the academy up in uh, Brisbane and so forth, and we see the, the state squads. And that all came out of the performance review a couple of years ago. So where, where, what, what, who are the kids that you're attracting? Where, where, are they, where are they coming from and why are they maybe coming to your academy, Betty? 
Uh, look, I, I think it's – I've got a, a fantastic relationship with a lot of the players, I think I would say, across the state. And, look, luckily in my position previously, I got to meet a lot of players and I got to meet them through TA, yep. being in various uh, different roles. Uh, but recently these players have, I've known them since they were 12 years old, uh, through my position at TA, a lot of them were in the, um, you know, junior development squads, uh, that we had at TA, uh, years gone by. And, uh, once I left TA, look, a lot of them have actually followed me, uh, into the program. And once they discovered that we were doing this, we seemed to get a lot more traction. What we've really been able to build and, and look, it's not how we've we set it out to be, but I think it's very rare to find two female coaches coaching mm. in the, you know, in the private sector. And, yep. um, we have an abundance of female players. I yeah. think we, we, you know, it's pretty rare that you find that. And I think they're very excited by that coming into a squad every morning and every afternoon and having an abundance of female players to compete against, to train alongside, to go through all these things, um, their everyday training regimes. Uh, it's really been Quite, quite exciting, hasn't it, Stoney? I mean, well, it's been quite interesting for us to to wake up every morning and you go to training and you see, you know, you could find 10 players on the court at yep. once. And, and we get sometimes, you know, players just wanting to come in and practice for the day. And it's 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 an exciting place to be, I think, at the moment for us. It's it's great to see so many different faces and, and come across so many different levels of development. She's humble, isn't she? Always they, been they, humble. They come because she's a hot shot. She's <laughs> a Grand all. Slam finalist coach. <laughs> She, she's done an excellent job. She was she was very popular. Yeah, she's worked with a lot of good players. Yep. Storm Sanders, Dasher. Dasher. Yep, worked with Dasher. Did a did oh, a lot. No, I'd have loved to tell you, I didn't work with Dasher. Right? You I did. You did a lot. Of, you did a lot of helping I, I, out Jared Ma. That was that was the day where I got uh, my camera out. Maybe that day. But she's been on court, you know, with a lot of players, yep. and and a lot of people have come through, and they know what a quality coach she is, and. I've been lucky to slide back in alongside Betty. She's she's the director of high performance at our academy, and she's she's built a solid reputation for developing relationships with players and and making them realise that they're important. And that's one thing that where there's not a lot of opportunity in always in the governing system in countries. Yep. In the private sector, players those players need to feel important, and and that's really what we're about. And that was a big part of the performance review, wasn't it? Is that you know, if you were if you were coaching a, a young prospect and you started coaching them at five, six, seven, you put all the work into uh, working on the fundamentals, teaching them the game, and then if they were any good, they'd sort of get poached, if you like, for a better word. And then mm-hmm. the private sector coach would sort of be left behind. And the whole aim with that was to keep that connection, wasn't it, with the private yeah. sector coach, so yeah. they stay part of the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a tough one, but I, I think, you know, Right now, in terms of what we're trying to build, is is this that solid connection? Yep. They know, you know, they know what they're getting. They know what their plans are. They know who they're on court with. They feel, I would say, like a sense of family <laughs> at the moment. I, I think that's one of the words they use a lot. Is they they do they see us as a family, and I think one of the the biggest fear factors, I think for probably parents or question marks that we got was okay, it's squad. How does it work? Where do they get their privates? Where do they do this? That was a big thing because. I think our culture in Australia is dominated by private lessons. Um, and I think one thing that's, you know, Sarah's brought in so many positive things to this and, and, you know, and she even sort of switched my mind around with this was, you know, how about we run our model like, you know, they do it a little bit in the States that you, yeah. you experience is let's run our private sessions. Our model is we're running an academy, but yep. within that academy, we're also integrating our private lessons. And these players are then able to have their specifics and then throw them back into a live ball situation. And mm. I think that's worked incredibly well 
Uh, it's utilised the time well also in our squads. It's utilising our staff well. We've got a great team. Um, and I think that was one thing that's really different to what we've been able to to integrate and, and Sarah brought over from all her experiences overseas. No doubt. We need to slip in a break. We'll continue this discussion on the other side. Sarah Stone, Betty Sekolowski in the studio with me. Uh, great to have Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist, SD Tennis Courts, uh, with us, trusted by Melbourne Tennis Clubs and Councils. Check out aste.com.au. You can go shopping at Tennis Direct while you're listening to us tonight, tennisdirector.com.au. You spent over $150, uh, free delivery, rackets, accessories, uh, all the goodies delivered to your front door. Use that promo code FIRSTSERVE10. More of the first serve. Your calls, one 736 736 next. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group. Leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Great to have you with us on The First Serve. Brett Phillips in the chair tonight. And uh, thanks to the 5pm Collective, Australian Alcohol Delivered. Use the code First Serve to get 10% off your first order. 5pm Collective. Com. Betty Segalowski and Sarah Stoner in the studio with me. I think anyone who knows anything about tennis knows the names of my studio guests here tonight. Talking uh, the world of tennis, talking coaching. Uh, they're setting up a course and underway with the Champion Academy. Uh, of course, both involved in that pretty uh, heavily. There's a couple on the uh, text I want to get to very shortly, but we should mention one result we didn't mention earlier was uh, Betty Jamie Fulis overnight. And I'm a big fan of Jamie. She's been in this very studio mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, beat the former world number 19, Donna Vekic, who slipped yeah. outside the top 100 at the moment. But that was a good scalp in uh, Zagreb, which I think a yep. 60K yeah. ITF overnight. Yeah, it was uh, honestly, Jamie's been um, just building up solidly, honestly, since the Australian Open. I think the doubles really did something for her, and, yep. and so it should. Um, she's had a really solid couple of uh, months with the Australian Pro Circuits, and it was really funny getting a, a text message from her, from her this morning. It was, um, she said, Betty, you won't believe it. It was so funny. I had 100 people sitting in the stands watching me play a 60K. She's like, I'm yeah. not used to that. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. And she's she, look, she loves playing in front of a crowd, and she's in a really good headspace, and I'm hoping that she's going to have a fantastic Summer in Europe. Because she can strike the ball really well. I mean, yep. she's had some injuries across the journey. So where, where do you think, where do you, where, do you sort of, where do you have her in the big <laughs> spectrum of uh, women's tennis? Uh, look, I mean, at the moment, she's she's really trying to head inside, you know, wanting to get inside 150, uh, I think, at the end of the year. Mm. I think that's really her primary, primary goal, uh, goal at the moment. And look, all being well, if she can stay injury-free and, and yep. play some solid tennis, you know, we're, we're looking more for, for solid performances rather than anything else at the moment and stay injury-free. I, I really don't like saying where someone can be. I really hope that she can end the year somewhere in the, around that 150 mark. We hope so. So I think we all acknowledge it's been, yeah, a, a tough couple of years, right, for, for Tennis Australia and uh, for our players to travel and uh, and have that continuity of playing tennis. So just the... The quota of players to coaches, um, Sarah, we were sort of talking about it off air earlier today with the, the National Academy and so forth. And just take us inside your thoughts on that, because obviously there's been the performance review. I think there's a coach review that has been going on for, uh, what, uh, 12, 18 months, which I think is going to be wrapped up uh, pretty shortly. But just give us your feelings on that. Yeah, we we're talking about the numbers, the number of players with the coach. I think that's something... What we took into our academy was similar to what they do at Boletaries for players to a coach. As much as we pretty much always two to a 
two to a court unless we're doing something specific where we're using half a court. And one of the things we've found, we've got some top players and their parents have tons of money, but they're only able to get a couple hours a week with their coach, which is fine if the coach can then have eyes over them in a squad situation. But, you know, if you've got players around the world that are having eyes on them 20 hours a week in their development and someone else is getting one hour and then just trying to make up the development of their own game along the way, yep. you're behind. I mean, you're behind from the get-go and, and it is definitely not a shortage of investment from parents. They're willing to invest, but that's the structure we've tried to create that we're on the court with these players, you know, 12, 14 hours a week. And, and we're, we're seeing some good results and it's it's been a great adventure. And I think you can't always do that. In, in at Melbourne Park, there's probably many more players under the number of coaches there. I personally would rather see when those players go into the national program, and I know it's, an, it's a money thing, but you need to have much fewer players working with coaches when they go in there yep. for, for development, in my opinion. Mm. So how do you have that conversation, you know, Betty, with, mm. with parents, for example, who can see some talent in their kids, they want their kids to go somewhere, and it is an investment. It's a risk. Yep. Uh, it's a sport where there's no absolute guarantees. You're, you're venturing into this huge global stage mm. where it's tough to make it, and you're telling them, well, you know, if, if they're going to be any chance, they do mm. need to put in X amount of hours. It's going to cost this much. Yep. How does that conversation go? Yeah, uh, look, it depends on the parent uh, and the, the relationship you've built with that with that parent. But I think, you know, sometimes it goes really, really well and there's times where I have a feeling that maybe parents feel like you're ripping them off. You know, well, you've just said, oh, they're doing three privates or they're doing this many privates and they're doing squad. Oh, that's going to cost us so and so. And they're not used to spending that much on their, I guess, on their, their child's development. Uh, they might have another child in the family that is not getting as much attention or the investment put in, so that it creates strain on the families. And look, there's a lot going going on that we don't probably not aware of as coaches. But at the same time, I think your actions as a coach speak louder than words. And when yep. you're investing your time for free, uh, generally, you know, going to tournaments, watching players play, spending endless hours on the phone, endless hours looking at stats, footage. That is an investment that they're not paying for um, at times, and I think that's not seen by by parents. You know, sometimes we know things about an athlete that mm. their parents might not even know what they're going through, yeah. and they don't realise yep. the role <laughs> that coaches are actually playing is they're wearing several hats, and we're dealing with a lot. And especially when you've got a lot of players that are that are under our umbrella, I mean, we care for every single one of them, mm. and it's it's sometimes it's a hard day, sometimes it's an easy day, sometimes it's not about tennis at all, sometimes it is, mm. but. These are the things that, um, you know, are very hard to explain to parents and that, you know, you're not there to rip them off. You're there to give them an understanding of what the investment looks like if you want to be good. Yep. And in this country, like Sarah said, we are behind the eight ball. Um, we don't get players traveling until they're probably, I would say, anywhere between 16 and 18 as their first trip, unless they're making a, you know, a Billie Jean Cup, you know, Junior Fed Cup team, as they would, would have said back in the day. You know, they're not getting that exposure unless they're top-notch in their age group, and I think that's too late. So just to round out, because we're going to run out of time, so it sort of leads me into, and I wanted to put it out to both of you about UTR, because as you know, you listen to the show, it's been a, a topic of hot discussion the last six weeks. We've spoken to TA, we've spoken to coaches, players, we've had parents' feedback. Um, there's a lot going on in that space since it's been rolled out officially from uh, January 1. So we know TA is heavily linked to it, invested into it, uh, but there seems to be a lot more negative feedback than positive feedback. So if you're any chance of making it, how are you just assessing the whole UTR at the moment where TA are using it as a rating and a ranking, which is unique to anywhere else? 
in the world, Sarah? Well, that's a bit of a tricky question, really, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, I'm very familiar with UTR before it came on board in Australia, yep. being in the States. I will tell you that I currently coach players who are rated around the 9.1 to 9.3 bracket. Uh, that should probably, I would imagine, be close to an 11 in my view. I had 13-year-olds that were rated about at 8.4 that now if they played the players we have at 16 that are 8.4, our 8.4s would have beat them love and love. Like I know their exact level. So I do believe our UTR rankings are below where they are actually should be, which hurts players because unless on the girls' side, if you're under a 10 UTR, you're going to really struggle to get into a top D1 school. One of the girls I work with is the head coach at Yale and I said to her, what would be, be your minimum? And mm. she said, absolute minimum is a nine. Yep. And our nines, as I said, should be close to an 11. So it's really, in a way, hurting our current crop of players. But, you know, we're taking some players over to the States, which I said to you earlier, trying to go over on the July school holidays to get them against some UTRs that are actually higher than them, but they are the same level as them so that they can try to bump their rankings up to, to really help them get into college. So... Mm. I don't know. It's going to be tough because I don't know how we make up that time. Yep. A lot to uh, pull apart. We're going to continue the discussion. We're going to circle back to Tennis Australia uh, next week on the program to see how they've assessed all the feedback over the last three months and what measures they're, they're maybe putting in place to uh, make some uh, possible adjustments. Give the Academy a quick plug before we go and how can people find you? <laughs> uh, it's Champion Academy. They can find us on Instagram. That's probably where anyone finds anyone these days. <laughs> Tennis Champion Academy. It's just one word and uh, hit, hit us with a DM and we'll get back to you. Great stuff. Good to talk some tennis. We'll have to do it again because this is always too short on a Monday night. We'll do it again. Definitely. Thanks so Thanks much for having, having us. Thanks Thank very much, Sarah. We'll take a break, come back, wrap up with all the other news of the week. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit B.Solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. On a Tuesday night this week, not 100% sure what night uh, we might be on next week. Depends how Melbourne United go in the basketball uh, come uh, Saturday, whether we have to go to a Game 3. So we'll keep you posted. All their broadcast details at thefirstserve.com.au and keep across our socials uh, during the week. Uh, Wimbledon banning the Russian and Belarusian players. Been a huge topic of discussion for the championships uh, for 2022. Widely unpopular decision. Major backlash from the current former players, commentators, the governing bodies of men's and women's tennis, the ATP, the WTA, who are getting together in Madrid over the next seven days to um, further look at their position. I've got this on the text. So, Brett, could I respectfully ask you to... Uh, consider Robert Craddock's uh, opinion on Waitley this morning, which appears contrary to yours. Essentially, the imposition on Russian tennis players at Wimbledon is unfair, but there are bigger issues at play. And Vladimir Putin has a history of using success in sport to further crazy nationalist ideas. I hate the intersection of spirit and sport, but a reality in the current environment from Sean. I, I certainly see that, but I, I think it's hugely unfair to athletes who are representing themselves effectively. They are individuals, subcontractors, uh, whatever you want to call them. They're, they're running their own business. By default, they have a country next to them in uh, brackets. So to ban them from doing what they do for a living, I mean, there is some uh, discussion. You know, could Wimbledon face maybe a legal challenge from players? 
the, the ATP WT, I think it was Steve Simon on the tennis podcast in the last 48 hours, who said, quote, I do think you'll see some strong reaction that will come from us. There's been talk of, you know, a possible sanction could be a refusal to award rankings points for Wimbledon. I mean, that would be huge. That would be, that'd be a massive step. So a lot of argy-bargy going on between uh, Wimbledon, uh, you've got the LTA on board. Val Febo wrote a great article, LTA goes back on its own bylaws, which is on our website. You can have a read of that because uh, the Russian and Belarusian players have also been banned from playing the lead-up events, uh, Eastbourne and Birmingham and Nottingham and the other ones on the grass leading up to uh, Wimbledon. So we'll follow that uh, with uh, much interest. And the Pam Shriver article, I haven't really got a lot of time to go into it. I think everyone in tennis has probably had a good read of it, opening up about revelations. She had an inappropriate and damaging relationship with her much older coach, which was an Australian, Don Candy. When she was 17, he was 50. There were no allegations of um, you know sexual abuse in that article. Um, but Pam's quote, I believe... Abusive coaching relationships are alarmingly common in sport as a whole. In tennis, I've witnessed dozens of instances in my four and a bit decades as a player and commentator. And there'd be the other side of that as well, where in tennis there's been a lot of good unions between uh, people in tennis. So um, it was a fascinating read. It was eye-opening. Why Pam felt she needed to talk about that all the years down the track, I I don't know. I mean, I enjoy her commentary. Often when I go to the US, whether it's the US Open or Indian Wells or Miami, I've got... Uh, the tennis channel uh, in my ear listening to Pam's uh, pretty astute commentary but it, it was an interesting article certainly to have a, a read of and a real eye-opener. Yonex, 76 years of performance product crafted in Japan. Check out their latest range at yonex.com and a little shout out for Shane Scrutton of course out there at Yarra Tennis. Eaglemont, beautiful part of the world off the Eastern Freeway. Over 30 years coaching experience, great supporter of our show. His mission is to improve your game so whether you're a complete beginner or a serious player check out yarratennis.com so we'll be back Monday or Tuesday next week. Plenty happening on the clay this week. Let's hope the Aussies go well. If you're having a hit yourself, just find the middle of the strings. Enjoy your tennis. We'll do it all again next week. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.